And welcome to the BSA Capital Tech and Transitional Energy podcast. It's Thursday, June the 17th. Um, hi, Phil, how are you? Andrew, I'm on fine form and in the office in London, but I suspect I'm not as good as you because it's your birthday. You're right. Well, okay, it is my birthday. I'm just giving everybody a bit of a clue. And it's the big figure change. Unfortunately, I am actually 60 today, um, but I'm down at my house in Cornwall. It is a glorious absolutely glorious sunny day down here uh, but not too hot so um, so there we go but because i'm down here you're gonna have to do a lot of the talking i think phil but we've certainly got some things to discuss i think and uh, some companies that have had um numbers as well that are important to go through i thought actually why don't we just kick off because i'm reading the papers this morning by my front door in the sunshine i noticed that harry stebbings uh son of uh, a former stockbroker chris stebbings uh, is raising a fund because he was basically a, a young podcaster and he's starting up a fund. I mean, there's hope for us yet, Phil. <laughs> I saw that as well. Yes, in, yes, indeed, Andrew, there is definitely hope for us. I mean, the headline was from teen podcaster to $140 million investor. I've probably gone from old age podcaster to <laughs> a sort of $0.4 million investor, but there you go. But it's interesting that, um, well, number one, the sort of people who are following him, but, you know, the, there is the appetite out there for funds of this sort of nature because people find it so difficult. Um, obviously, we act for Frontier IP. It's been a very good performer, uh, which is a sort of similar type business. There's also Draper Esprit uh, this week raised, I think it was $111 million to top up their coffers. Mm. Uh, obviously talked a lot on here about ip group over the over the the years um it's it's quite a hot space for people to put money in and get somebody to run it for them isn't it yeah yeah it is um and especially sort of earlier stage uh, technology companies um which are you know, you know normally sort of in the realms of, of venture capital funds that will own own them so for in, investors to get a sort of you know a broader exposure to early stage companies, which often, as we know, are a higher risk. There are, there are good ways of um, doing it through these particular funds that you just mentioned. And I think the key is to decide at what stage you want to put your risk on, whether you want it, you know, as you say, at seed stage, early stage, slightly later stage, all of these different groups give you a different exposure. So Frontier IP is really quite early, but if they get it right, my goodness me, you're gonna make a lot of money and they are, are getting it right at the moment. Uh, I guess a Draper Esprit and an IP group, probably a slightly later stage. Um, but look, I think they're all very interesting investments. Uh, it's a, a very hot area at the moment. Yeah. Um, talking about higher, as I also noticed as I was reading that, that the paper today that uh, General Motors are gonna chuck another $35 billion into EVs to try and catch up with Tesla. Um, and that's a lot of money they're chucking in at that. Quite, quite astonishing. Um, and they brought forward their investment plans as well, mm. um, which 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 is interesting. And I mean, VW, as we already know, is spending was it 70 billion euros. These are huge amounts that the, the automotive makers are putting in. Um, I mean, if nothing else, it tells you, you know, transition on. Uh, I was reading a report that um, in was it 22, 300 more models coming out next year. The automotive industry now really is shifting towards electrification in a, in a very big way. Well, it is. The, 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 the big boys are all going pure EV. I mean, I think Volvo now said it will only produce basically EV cars 
Um, so, of course, the net effect is, and we've seen also, I think it was this week, the post office, hasn't it? It's ordered 3,000 electric vans. Uh-huh. Um, and I saw somebody else the other day ordering a huge number of electric vans. And, of course, you know, what I feel from that is, well, someone's going to have to charge all of these EVs. There still is not in this country the charging network that is required. There needs to be a massive amount of expenditure. And there's only a few people who really know how to put these charges in. Um, and that's why we like companies like Nexus because they've got eSmart Energy, which is you know probably the leading installer of EV chargers in the country. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. That's, that's the bit of the jigsaw. And that, and also making sure you've got enough energy at the EV charging points so that when all these cars come along and try and drain at the same time, you can actually have enough energy to supply them, which is why you're going to have to have very good, you know, energy storage in place. And I apologise about that, Bang, um, if you heard it. Uh, anyway, uh, actually, talking of storage, why don't we, uh, I'm going to jump around a little bit here. Uh, actually, let's stay on the big picture of it, second Phil, because, you know, we've seen inflation start to rear its head a little bit. Um, yep. That we, we talked about this actually last week, the fact that, um, you know, actually the good thing for tech is that it's fairly inflation proof because it doesn't have many cost of many goods, so to speak. But obviously in transitional energy where you're building, you often have a lot of steel or containers uh, and you know that is going to carry on having a bit of an impact. Um, although actually off the back of that, I would mention that Pressure Technologies, which is a company that we like for hydrogen storage, they had figures uh, this week. In truth, um, they've actually bought ahead slightly there there they buy quite a lot of steel so they're ahead they tend to buy in advance uh, and they also do price it into their customers they're not getting caught out on that they are seeing the ramp up in their hydrogen cylinder demand actually go very very strongly uh, the only area that they got a little bit caught out was um in terms of they, they've got a banking facility and as usual now all the auditors you know they put in a going concern warning and basically every company that reports now is a going concern because the auditors are so terrified of of not giving one just in case they, they automatically make people have it and that worried a few people it didn't worry me because actually if you work it out they've got enough cash in the balance sheet they could actually pay off all their bank facilities overnight but it would leave them in a stretched position so it's pretty obvious that the banks are going to be quite happy um and actually if you look at the growth of that hydrogen cylinder business people should be buying the stock like no tomorrow if you want my opinion yeah the you they uh they got i mean for, first they, they did um you know, you know pressure technologies obviously we, we do just point out that we do uh we, we do act for them but um they got caught out on the banking covenants technicality on on interest cover um and they they you know it was picked up quickly it was it's been remedied and obviously it's in it's in the statement and as you point out generally their balance sheet um is is very strong so uh, you know, you put part part that aside. The company's in very good shape, and um, yeah, I mean, really encouraging to see these first orders come through uh, from Shell for on hydrogen storage. Uh, so that's uh, I thought that was that's that's excellent news. Yeah, yeah, very very good. Good. Now the other one, uh, actually, we talked about Northbridge last week, uh, partially because of some of our listeners asked us to, and we we're, I'm still trying to set up a meeting with them, but they had a. Uh, an AGM trading statement, didn't they, Phil, this week? Yeah, yeah, they did. Um, and, and like like pressure tech, this is another really, really interesting sort of engineering business. 
um, that's exposed to, to transitional energy. In the case of Northbridge Industrial Services, uh, they, they produce uh, what are called load banks. These are, these are really heavy, big electrical systems uh, that are used to test the electricity networks and see how much, you know, see how stable the networks are, see how uh, much power is being generated and testing networks in, in many sort of areas. You're testing networks where you're, you're trying to connect something on, onto the grid itself uh, and seeing how that's loading it, but also, for instance, in, da in data centers where you know, data centers consume huge amounts of power and you want to make sure that the power is being supplied in a very, very stable way because ultimately you're running some computer servers that are uh, you know, you know, handling very, very valuable information. So, so really exposed to the, to the energy transition. And um, yeah, this was, a, this was a trading update um, from the company on, and they were saying that Crestchick, which is the, the, um, the electrical infrastructure equipment uh, elements of the business is, is performing, was performing really, really well. And um, they're saying they're seeing positive trading ahead, which is something that we look out for. And they said um, those sort of magical words that overall the group's half-year revenue and pre-sexual pre-tax profit will be significantly ahead of 2020. We do indeed. That uh, is something that investors should always be looking out for. Something else that they've done as well um, is to uh, get new banking facilities with HSBC because I don't know if you, you've looked, but there's a, a £4 million convertible note in there and it was paying interest, I think, from memory, of about 8%, 8%. Anyway, so they've got a financing facility with HSBC for £10 million, which they've just agreed, and they will pay down uh, about three million pounds of that expensive, uh, you know, what's expensive relatively convertible note. So that's very good, and it means hopefully overall they'll pay less less interest. And if they're paying less interest, that means more profits for the business. So that's uh, so I thought that was all very very positive. I'm glad that it was positive. Uh, now we had some other other ones that you wanted. To, I'll, I'll let you talk about. So I've been uh, down in Cornwall here, uh, but I think we had the GB Group Folio. Uh, we we did indeed. Quickly covered uh, GB Group is uh, the ticker is GBG. Uh, it's 1.7 billion market cap, so uh, slightly larger. Uh, it's a large, larger company. What they do is uh, this is all about identity verification. So oh my gosh, you know if you're if you're setting up uh, on an e-commerce website, you know, the e-commerce company wants to verify your identity, know that you you are who you say you are, you live where you say you live. Um, and you know, so that they can do business with you. Now, th this this identity verification applies to a massive range uh, of businesses. You know, from banks to e-commerce companies, finance companies, all sorts of businesses. But they want to know who you are and are you who you say you are. Uh, they have twenty thousand corporate clients across seventy countries, and they use they say in their website three hundred and fifty data sets from partners across the world. When they say data sets, so you know, this will be, they will have access to data from people like Equifax, you know, the, the, the credit checking companies, but they have all these different data sets so they can verify you are who you are, you live where you say you live, and then, you know, you can engage your business. 210 million transactions processed every day using their software. So it shows the scale of their activities. So identity verification, fraud management, and they had, uh, very quickly, this was their, uh, this was four-year results, um, a result ahead of original market expectations, whereas we like to see, um, and with their revenues were up 9% uh, 
and their profits were up 21%. So something, again, we really, you really like to see, which is where you've got revenue growth, but the profit is growing stronger than that. And there's, you know, it's what we call in the trade, it's operational gearing. Um, so that was it. Yeah, good, interesting set of results from uh, from GB Group. It's been a great little company. I, must have, I run a, a, an IHT portfolio for my mother and uh, run it for a few years. And uh, we hold GB Group in that. It's been a nice performance. Up 28% so far this year. It's fine. Just keep ticking along, please. Yeah, that's uh, it's a real quality business. So what other figures have you seen this week which is coming on? Uh, right, OK. So going down to separately, there's sort of a bit, of, bit of a smaller scale, but one that uh, a company that I've known for a, a long time, which is uh, CML Microsystems. And they have their, their full year results. So the ticker is CML. Uh, market cap, it's uh, 70 million market cap. What do they do? They're what's called a fabulous semiconductor company, Andrew. So they actually design uh, silicon chips. The manufacturing of silicon chips is, is outsourced. Uh, it's in, in, in Asia. And they obviously get the chips back. They test them and they ship them to customers. So they had they had their full year. Um, and some interesting, this company's been listed for, for a long time. Um, but it's going through quite a transformation. They sold off a division. Uh, last year, and this was a the semiconductors that are used um, to stabilize things like flash memory and all sorts of applications. But they sold that division off. It's called their storage division, and they did that for forty nine million dollars of cash. So sixty nine million market cap today. Sold that off. They returned ten million to shareholders via uh, via a share buyback um, and issued a special dividend. So they have their full year results um, sales. From. So the core products they've now got in this portfolio under is, is communications products, but they're highly specialized radio frequency devices. This is a complex bit of tech, addresses 5G, satellite communications, private mobile radios, networks, and it's about a 2 billion addressable market, they reckon. So they've got big market opportunity. They've got a whole lot of cash in there, um, and they're investing in 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 new designs for these markets so it's a very this is a company that's been around for a long time but in transformation and is very well capitalized and with some exciting market opportunities so i thought that's uh yeah that sounds interesting i must say it's not one i've looked at so we should look at it more um interesting yeah yeah there we go so that's cml microsystems and the ticket is cml now um, and another company in a, in a similar area, and this is again, this is high frequency um, electronics uh, for communications and, and where uh, CML are doing this in in silicon chip designs. These guys are Philtronic, the ticker is FTC, the market cap is 25 million, um, and they do it for the, the, for the systems themselves, the electronic systems. And so... So it's, uh, it's high-frequency communications equipment. They go into aerospace, defense, telecoms, and critical communications. Um, and they had a they had a trading update, and they had stated that they're seeing a better sales mix. And um, go into this, um, but EBITDA profits slightly ahead of market expectations, which is very good. So they're expecting full-year revenue of um, 15.6 million. Uh, and their profits to increase from 1.2 million last year to 1.8 million, and they've got 3 million of cash, 2.9 million of cash in the banks. So that's uh, a trading update from uh, from Filtronic. 
uh, looks very positive on 5G. They said that they um, they have seen some delays in that, but probably COVID-related and getting getting equipment de- uh, deployed more than sort of in terms of market opportunity. They'd seen uh, larger orders in what are called tower amplifiers. This is for communications, big towers are amplifying at 700 to 800 megahertz communications networks, so they're current core networks. So that's all very good. And uh, just a quick look. Uh, yeah, aerospace and defense markets are stable. So all in all, that looks like a decent, uh, good trading update from, from Filtronic, ticker FTC. I mean, the whole sector is still going really well, isn't it, actually? It's, it's, and again, it's, as we just commented earlier on the macro picture, it doesn't really get hit by inflation. It's quite a good inflation-proof sector to put your money into. Um, yeah, you are, you are, yes, you're right, because as, as long as they can get all of their bits delivered, you know, we talked, um, you know, get, get their, their, their components delivered in or supplies, you know, in the case of CML, that they silicon chip suppliers can supply the silicon chips, then, then they are. And I said, you know, what? I saw a forecast in the uh, Electronics Weekly, which I do read regularly. Of course, you would expect me to. Um, and it was forecasting the semiconductor markets, silicon chip markets this year globally to grow by 25%. That's incredible. It's a big number. I'll tell you one little, quite one little, this is just a snippet, should we say. But I see that the finance director of AMTE that very recently floated and, and we were concerned by the valuation of the flotation. I think it's quite a good company. Well, they've never come and had a chat with me. Um, but he he's jumped ship from there, which is always a little bit worrying, and joined a company called Pulsive, which we think is a very, very exciting company, don't we? It's part, again, of the Frontier IP portfolio. Indeed. It, 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 it well, look, the finance director's move anyway Andrew as we as we know so um and obviously you know he worked on the IPO the very successful you know the successful IPO for AM, AMTE um but yeah he's moved on to Pulsif um and Frontier IP have a um you know a a material shareholding in Pulsif and they it Pulsif's the university spin out technology and um, it's in electronics and inverters, and inverters are used in um, obviously EVs, the larger inverters are, but um, they're used in all sorts of consumer electronics products and in you know things like solar. Solar are particularly important. An inverter converts, um, and I'll, I'll bet I'll get this the wrong way around, and someone will tell me off, uh, but they tend to convert D- DC to AC. So, uh, <laughs> but I think that I think the Pulse's technologies also do. AC. I'm a fan of ACDC actually, but they do AC to DC. <laughs> so I think Pulse has got some very clever technology. It's a potential unicorn. So, uh, but it's yeah. one one just to bear in mind because I'm sure we'll be hearing more about it. But, absolutely, and um, and they're already you know uh, they're working with Bosch. Are, uh, are supporting their technical developments. So uh, yeah, that's an that's an exciting one. Now there's been a, I think you you were going to have a little chat about some of the things also going on in hydrogen, which are Rolls Royce and their hydrogen planes and hydrogen Land Rovers and vehicles. No. What are yeah. you seeing there, Phil? Well, the Rolls Royce is uh, that one is on. Um, they're looking at energy storage systems. So this is electric. This is electrified. Uh, electrification of aircraft and they've announced uh, Rolls-Royce this week they're investing 80 million pounds into energy storage tech 
for the electrification of aircraft and the creating 300 jobs. So, you know, hallelujah to them for doing that because this, this is something that will come in time, uh, you know, the electrification of flight. And uh, great to see, you know, this development actually happening um, in the UK. I thought that was, that was really interesting. I mean, I, I don't know if you saw as well that um, Bristol-based Vertical Aerospace, which is a flying taxi uh, company, they're developing flying taxis, uh, planning to build a thousand vertical takeoff aircraft, and they have listed a SPAC in the States, uh, raising a considerable amount of money. So quite a lot more activity happening in this space and happening in the UK as well, which is which is super duper. And um, I probably see news items, Andrew, as well, about uh, the large multinational battery companies being courted now by the UK government. Yeah, I saw that actually in the in the again in the newspaper that I was sitting in the sun. Uh, Tends to build sort of what, three uh, uh, gigafactories or something. Yes. Yes. Yeah. So, yeah, it's all happening in the UK. It's good. It's very good news. What we need to be doing. So I guess a final one for me was, uh, no, yeah, it's JNG Land Rover. JLR looking to do a prototype uh, fuel cell version of the new Defender. So, well done. You know, that's, that looks very interesting as well. Tell you what, new Defender looks very, very nice. I'll have to say you can get one of those. But, uh, yep, they're, they're, they're doing a bit of investing in, hyd in uh, hydrogen. Well, well, who, they didn't say whose fuel cell. The trouble is, so many people. No, they, they, yeah, interesting. The partners named were uh, UK-based Delta, uh, Delta Motorsport, AVL, Morelli Automotive Systems, and the uh, the UK Battery Industrialisation Centre. So no, they didn't mention on the. Uh, they didn't There's make a lot of people out there playing in the space. It's a very competitive space, which is why we've always been a little bit cautious on fuel cell companies. Um, I'll tell you the other thing as well, just again, going back to a bit of macro, talking around to a few of the people I know, uh, I believe that this, I don't know if people are aware of this, this is a sort of a group of very high net worths who have been playing the uh, smaller end of the AIM market in natural resources, technology, cannabis, a whole load of sort of things. Um, there's sort of half a dozen of them that have, you know, regularly put in you know, millions of pounds in some of these deals. Uh -huh. uh, I've been speaking to some and I, I, others have told me the same thing. And that is that pretty much all of them now have sold out of almost every position, which is why some stocks seem to have come off and you've never really quite understood why. Uh, and they're all basically now taking the entire summer off. Their view is, you know, we've had an incredible 12 months. We've literally made millions and millions. And we just want to unwind our positions, take the summer off. Um, so that can explain why certain stock prices perhaps have been weak um, when there appear to be good news coming out. It's because these guys have just decided I've made enough money, won all my bets off them off the table. That's that's very interesting. Well, it look, it all creates opportunity, doesn't it? Because well, if, I, I think when we come back in September, you know, yeah. the opportunities will all start again. But yeah, I think it will be a quiet summer in that respect. But it explains some share price moves anyway. Yeah. Well. We're all in favour of a quiet summer, Andrew, and a bit of sunshine, as long as it doesn't get too hot. Uh, on that note, Phil, uh, actually, have you got anything else you want to say? Because I might go off and have a birthday lunch. <laughs> go and enjoy it. All right, we'll, we'll reconvene next week. We will indeed. I look forward to it. Have a good birthday, Andrew. <laughs>